Well, this is pretty cool. I'm very stoked to see you doing this, my friend. Welcome to the Real Fun Podcast. My name is Darren McGee. Thanks once again for joining me. Um, that intro came from my boy Avi of Iron Lion Soap. He is a fantastic soap maker based in Southern California. The company is Iron Lion Soap. You can find them on Instagram at Iron Lion Soap and ironlionsoap.com. They make uh, just a beautiful array of natural soaps that I am um, so in love with and so grateful that I made the connection with Avi and we had a chance to collaborate on a t-shirt design uh, for the company. And I'm grateful that this relationship has been formed and that I get to receive such beautiful product in exchange, something I'm really, really grateful for. Today's show is um, yet again, another question from you, the audience. And this question comes from my boy, Eric. He is F. Uh, at Instagram at f dot e f d o t. He is a fantastic artist and illustrator. He is an exceptional muralist. Some of the stuff he's done still just blows my mind. The the immense scale and scope of the work he's done is truly outstanding. And funnily enough, we had you know found each other on Instagram and and started sort of sharing mutual appreciation for each other's work and. As some of you know, I do murals every now and then. It's it's an extremely you know arduous, time consuming, difficult, intimidating process, and I needed to do a little research on how to apply one of my designs to the wall. And Eric's um, one of his resources on his website is is just that is um, showing you the myriad of ways to do that. And I was googling probably something as simple as how to apply a mural to a wall, and Eric's website came up as one of the top results and I'm so grateful for it because it's just so well written and so resourceful and I'm grateful for that. So today's question is, it's a big one. It's a slightly, um, you know, philosophical and I am grateful that I got a chance to really consider it. And I sat with it for a while and it, it brought up just a lot of different thoughts and, um, really just, it's a big one. So we'll jump right into that. If you want to leave a question for the show, you can do that at anchor.fm slash realfunpod. And there's a little button at the bottom that says new message, new message, and you click that and you record a message and we talk about it on the show. So again, today's question comes from Eric. Eric, hit me with it. Hey, Darren, it's Eric F. Dot here. I got a quick question for you, for your podcast. My question is something that was asked of me a few weeks ago, and I haven't been able to get it off my mind. And the question is, what is enough? And I think the person who asked this was asking me about what is enough freelance work or what is enough projects or things. How many different balls can you juggle? What is enough amount of things to do? And it's a really complicated question. There's not really one answer on any given day and it can change. But So I'm not looking for you to answer it uh, straight up. But I would love to hear you just riff on this idea of finding balance and making sure that you're filling up all the buckets of your life. So what does enough look like for you? Have you ever had an experience where you took on way too much and then you had to balance it out by letting go of some things that weren't serving you? So anyway, thanks a lot for the art, man. Keep it up. Talk soon. What is enough? Shit, that is tough. 
um, from a freelance artist perspective, I don't think there really is enough. I know some artists have a much better sense than I do of time management and scheduling out work to know what their financials are and how, how they need to be covered. And God bless them. For me, I operate from two modes. One is that of scarcity and fear. I'm really afraid to stop taking work, even if it means that I'll end up with too much and the quality of the work might suffer. I've certainly gotten better over the past few years, and I'm I'm much more selective and careful with how much I take on, but I still reach those places of taking on things just because I want to feel financially sound. The second place that I operate from is that of a love for the work. I really love creating, and even when it comes to client work and there's an inevitable um, sacrificing of one's voice in that space, I still get to be in the mode of creation, and my thoughts and ideas still get to come to life. So in in the uh, quote, is there enough, is is a simple no, there isn't. Uh, again, in the freelance space, not knowing when your next gig is going to arrive, it's really hard to not take on maybe more than you can handle. And I think this line of work is, is a careful balance of planning and scheduling and trust. Three things that aren't really my strongest qualities. I'm, I'm trying to get better at all of them. Part of why I create so much is, is to, just to stay relevant as possible. I want to make sure that I'm ever present in people's minds. I want them to know that I'm there and I'm ready to offer my services, which is also in line with the enough question. I don't, I don't think I could ever get enough praise or validation. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, to be brutally honest, I'm, I'm pretty insecure. I, I require a lot. I require a lot of soothing and a lot of, of letting things, letting, letting me know that, that things are okay. And, and, um, again, something I'm working on and and struggling with, um, but am getting better and bringing more awareness to it. I think that the question inherently begins, um, at, you know, a really early point in all of our lives. It requires a pretty deep exploration of, of what our upbringing was like. Did we get enough as a child? Personally, that's something that I'm still exploring, you know, digging through all the viney overgrowth that is the jungle of childhood. And I've been seeing a therapist for a couple of years now, and it's been immensely helpful in, in gaining some greater insight as to how, how my upbringing forms most of my interactions with the world as an adult. I never really took too much of that in consideration, and but the inner child is there, and he's sort of the boss of it all. And now that I'm a father, I recognize really what a delicate process it is to convince the child that what they have is enough. Maybe it's about somehow filling in the hole a bit so it, it just isn't as deep. Or maybe a better yet, uh, the understanding that the hole has no bottom and no matter how much we put into it, it'll never be filled. And just finding gratitude for what was put in the hole versus how much of the hole is filled. And as I was reflecting on it further uh, of the question of what is enough, I don't know that I've ever really personally experienced the feeling of fulfillment. I've, I've always craved more, more sensation, more stimulation, more safety, more security, um, I, when I started seeing my therapist, I was having crippling anxiety around money. I was, I was worried about it from the moment I opened my eyes in the morning. It was right in my face. It's just this feeling that I didn't have enough. And when my therapist asked what it was that I was afraid of happening because I didn't have enough money, I didn't really have a good answer. I, I knew that I wasn't going to suddenly become destitute and living out on the street. I knew in my rational brain that I was supported. If worse came to worse, I had people who, who could help. But without going into that too much deeper, I think support is something that I have difficulty accepting and understanding. Again, you know, not enough, never enough. Now, several years later, I'm doing much better financially than I've ever done. I have no real reason to be worried, but yet I still focus on if any of it 
is enough. I, I think not having a personal definition of what actually is enough, there really not being an answer to that keeps that needy feeling alive and well. I also think that there's a lot of societal pressure and so much focus and attention on opulence and that it's pretty easy to feel like what you have, even if it's more than enough, somehow doesn't feel that way. I can also attest to a lack of education and knowledge around all of of everything, really, being a contributing factor to this uneasy feeling that I often experience. I just feel as I get more and more older and, and more professional and, and being a parent and all these things, I just realize how little I actually know. And that sort of unknowing is, is a very uneasy place to be. I think it sort of feels like walking blindfolded and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that the ground in front of you is, is flat and clear, but you still lack the trust to walk with confidence. I'm experiencing lessons at just a rapid pace, you know, having within a three year period, become a father and a business owner, two things that require um, knowledge that really wasn't taught to me. My high school was, was very scant on lessons about emotional intelligence or the intricacies of payroll liability tax. You guys know about that? Yeah, me neither. But now it's something that I'm experiencing and am really fighting through um, just sort of a, an overwhelming feeling of, of it all and just trying to better understand really just in the gr- grander, broader scope what this human condition really is and, and what we're responsible for and, and how we can really just get through each day with not without being overwhelmed, really. And the, the more I consider the question, the more unfolds for me. I think really presence is really the key to this all. I think f- this feeling of scarcity comes from thinking ahead of this moment right now. I think most of us, if we were asked, do we have everything we need at this moment, we could probably honestly answer yes. Presumably, we all have clothes on our bodies and we're comfortable and we're fed and we're hydrated and we're breathing and our our eyes and our ears are open, taking in the sensation and stimulation. It's only really when we think past the moment that we can see parts of our lives that maybe seem like they aren't enough. So, you know, I'm starting to feel like I'm entering territory that might be better suited for someone who has a more intimate knowledge of the human condition than me, but at the end of the day, I'm just a dude experiencing this all in real time and and really just being left with more questions than answers. So, um, yeah, I think to, to answer the question simply is, um, I don't know what enough is. And so uh, in a way it keeps me, keeps me going and, and keeps me driven, but it also at the same time stresses me out and makes me worry and makes me think, uh, ahead of the present moment. And so just trying to get back to the moment. Uh, right here, right now, I'm sitting here recording this podcast. I'm warm, I'm fed, I'm clothed, I'm safe. That's that. Thank you so much for the question, Eric. I uh, really appreciate it and gave me a lot to think about and still continues to do so. So thanks again, Eric. This next question comes from Taylor Everard. I hope I got that right. Taylor, hit me with it. Stumbling into or purposely creating your own art style. How'd you do it? Please and thanks. Peace. First of all, I love how concise and brief and beautifully worded that question was. No superfluousness in there. Every word counted. Um, Good question, Taylor. Uh, Something that I haven't given too much thought before you asked where um, my style or my sort of look came from, but 
I um, think as long as we've been human, there's been this desire to design, a design, um, a desire to arrange, desire to lay things out in a way that are appealing to our senses. And I've always had an appreciation for that, but I don't think at an early age I could really define it as such. But there's always been this inherent, indefinable love for design. I love the infinite nature of the way that lines and shapes can be arranged. I especially like the things that were done a long time ago, long before the aid of computers, when it was human and the tool that they held in their hands, whether it was wood carving used for block printing or typesetting arranged by hand. I absolutely love the human quality that peeks out from old design. Produce boxes. You guys familiar? Maybe you see them all the time. You don't think twice about them. Produce boxes are one of my favorite forms of design and layout and illustration that I've ever seen. And I think that they're really like a perfect example of the type of design that I love design that is incorporated and used in a way that isn't really design front fronted design focused. Of course there's design and there's intention put into it, but it ends up on a produce box and gets put on a truck and put into a grocery store. And then it's just kind of there. It just kind of exists. And it's only if you really notice that kind of stuff that it has any appeal, of course. Um, for me, the, 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 just the whole, the nature of it all is the, is something that I just find so, so very appealing. And, um, I think stuff like that, uh, produce boxes and just old packaging, anything that kind of had a designer's touch to it, but, um, really just kind of blends into the background and maybe isn't as noticed as much. So I think that it's around these things that, are really cool to me and it makes me often wonder is it cool to everybody else or is it even cool to the person who was assigned the job initially or is it just you know work for the designer to put together a a box for for vegetables and they did their work and they put it out and didn't think anything of it not knowing that me would find it so just beautiful and inspiring and I think just there's so much uh, design out there that it can all kind of get um, drowned out. And so really just tuning into the things that are a little bit more rare or special really inspire me and things that just are old. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, I'm grateful that, you know, the, the vintage look and design is very in vogue right now. It's, you know, really good for me because that's certainly what I, what I lean towards and it's, and people find it really appealing. Um, and, and I just wondered to the folks who made those produce boxes know how goddamn cool it is. Um, or, you know, is it just, is it just that we're all in this kind of, um, hearkening back to, to stuff that existed before we were alive? Is it maybe that's the appeal of the vintage look? It was something that wasn't actually happening while we were alive and, and it happened before. And, you know, just that kind of, we like, we like things that are old and I don't know, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but there's definitely um, something that really, really appeals to me. And, and, you know, with how much fashion dictates trends these days and in, in, in an effort to sell as much shit as humanly possible, having 52 seasons a year, there's no possible way that we could possibly have a generation defining style or look. And so I think we lean back to the past and find things that were done before that appeal to us back to the times that, that to me feels like there was no way that the artists or designers who were putting their work on something like a matchbook could have possibly known how truly cool we would find it this day and age. 
So I, I, I draw, you know, I draw inspiration from a lot of places. That's a question I get a lot if, if I'm doing an interview or, or something that people say, you know, where do you find your inspiration? And, and I, I just try not to focus on, on directly on, on any one source. I think my broad sources of inspiration are what keep me going, always finding something new and something new. Now, with all that being said, I also love psychedelics and they contribute a huge amount of inspiration from from uh my experiences with that and uh i try i try to create psychedelic work but not in the vein of what isn't often you know known as psychedelic art that came out in the 60s so really bright colors and you know artists attempt at at encapsulating what the psychedelic experience is through art I try to really just encapsulate more of the the vastness, the mystery, the confusion, the awe. I actually find it quite frustrating to even conceive of being able to produce work that translates directly to what I experience in that space. So I would say it's more like what would happen if someone who was telling someone who was telling someone who was telling someone else what a psychedelic experience was like, and they had to kind of reduce it to its bare um, essence. That's really what I like to try and describe my work as it's kind of like a neo psychedelic it's really hard for me to properly articulate how i got to the style that i'm working in i feel like it's just a little bit of a lot of things all thrown together in this you know pot of diversity and when considering this question it caused me to reflect on on where i am currently and and how contemporary of a situation this all is um firstly i i truly believe it was if it wasn't for instagram i wouldn't be here based on the idea that I could have never received as much attention and thus building a career without it. But on more of a personal level, I'm not sure that I ever really would have tried so hard had I not received feedback and validation that I get from using the platform. I wasn't really creating before the platform came around. And and like I explained on a previous episode, I never set out to build an art career using Instagram. It just sort of evolved that way. I had pictures of my family and my dog and other random things that I thought were worth sharing. And then I started posting my illustrations it then felt like there was a purpose for drawing to share it on the platform, to have this kind of motivation is to sort of had this, this um, self-imposed obligation to, to continue to deliver art to people in presenting it to the world, putting myself out there. I really couldn't be more thankful for the chance to have access to the, to the world to share my work with. And, and I'm grateful that this weird thing that is social media propelled me forward and fed into my creative energy and ambition. It's wild. Um, that brings me to, a situation that occurred this morning. Uh, I put up a post. It caused a lot of a lot of energy behind it. A lot of comments. A lot of um, anger and and frustration from people. And um, I thought about it for most of the day, and ultimately decided to pull the post down, just because I felt like what I was trying to achieve wasn't really um, wasn't really landing or. I don't know. It was a lot amongst a lot of people, but there was also a number of people who who didn't like my approach. And um, I then posted another post, sort of explaining myself, which even that I felt weird about because I didn't really feel like I needed to explain myself. I I know that art is meant to sort of evoke controversy and and discussion, and really just kind of bring up feelings of people to to have discussions about. And I got scared and I got, you know, I got a little bit intimidated that I was doing the wrong thing or that I was 
I don't know. It, it became something bigger than I than I had anticipated. And for those who missed it, it was a post in big bold letters that says Instagram is dead, and it had the date 2010 um, when Instagram was incepted to 2020. And then I explained in the um, comments that um, that Instagram was closing down next month, which isn't true, and any quick Google search would have shown as much. And I encourage people to sign up for my mailing list because I wanted to remain in touch with everybody. And that is a really the only way that is sort of guaranteed to be able to stay in touch with people is through their inbox and not relying on social media platforms that have come and gone over the years. And there's no reason to think that Instagram isn't going to be one of them that will meet the same fate as MySpace or, or uh, Friendster or any of the ones that we thought we'd be living with forever. I, I often reflect on the fact that um, it's highly unlikely that this platform will be um, something in the next 30 years. And I can speak personally that I'm, I put a lot of put a lot of faith into it being around and counting on it as a means of reaching people. And so this was a way of kind of just, you know, maybe shaking people up a bit and sort of bringing some awareness themselves to the fact that this platform is temporary, like everything in this world. And we need to find ways as artists or as small business owners to reach our audience in a way that isn't relying on major corporations. And so that was really it. I did it in a way that I thought was funny and, and um, was you know, I thought it was obvious that, that I was making a joke and, and to a lot of people it wasn't and it, and it was upsetting and they, they, I was being accused of spreading fake news, which God, I, I never <laughs> thought I would be lumped into to that category. Um, I wasn't trying to cause any, you know, fear or, or really just try and, you know, manipulate people, which I was being accused of as well. I was, I was really just making a statement and it landed in, in ways that I, I, just sort of didn't really expect. So I took it down. But really, the the main point of it all is that we have to, as artists and as creators and as business owners, we have to make sure that we are not counting on others to help us. And um, that's really just the main point of it all. And if, if you want to read further, um, there's a post on my feed where I go into sort of justifying my uh, reasons for doing what I did. And it's uncomfortable and it's, it's puts me in a weird place where I have to accept that people are upset and I have to face people saying, making comments that are, are less than kind and really just kind of put myself in a place that I'm more susceptible than maybe I actually want to be. So, um, that was that. And, um, to those who are, um, still rocking with me. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm glad you were able to see what I was trying to prove there by um, really just kind of shaking things up and putting something in there that would really just, um, cause people to maybe have some um, self-examination in what they're using the platform for. And, you know, from, from the side of things of, of the user who isn't running a business, who, you know, goes on Instagram to look at businesses and to look at art and to look at, you know, whatever they're, whatever they choose to follow is, is also just equally as important to say one day if we woke up and you didn't have that, what would that mean to you? Would that, would that really cause something of a, um, issue in your life? Would that, would that really cause something that would potentially be detrimental to your livelihood? Would it 
you know, shake up your, your foundation of how you interact with the world such that it would be off-putting, um, you know, just stuff to consider because, uh, I mean, as temporary as everything is, certainly social media is uh, at the tippy top of that. So I think that this is um, kind of a good place to leave this episode. I really appreciate all of you who continue to support me, and it just really means a lot, and I am ever grateful. And if you want to leave a question, you can do that at anchor.fm slash realfunpod. Hit the new message button and record a message, and we can talk about it. So thank you so much. I really, truly am grateful for everybody's support. Take care of yourselves so you can take care of each other. Bye.